back in the fur shed. This is the Trapping Today podcast, and I'm your host, Jeremiah Wood. Thank you so much for listening in. It's great to have you guys here. The Trapping Today podcast is brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S dot com. Go to Cots Brothers for all your trapping supply needs. They've got baits, lures, books, DVDs, and a variety of other trapping supplies. And guess what? We have a very special giveaway in tonight's episode. Cots Bros are going to give away a book and DVD on coyote trapping. This is really, really exciting opportunity for you guys. If you haven't seen Kellen Cots' The Black Book of Coyote Trapping and The Flat Set Fix DVD, this is a great chance to get in on this. If you want to boost your coyote and fox catch next season, This book and DVD will provide the blueprint, the system, and the motivation to get out and get it done. You'll develop a better understanding of coyote location, permissions, and planning, equipment choices, and an in-depth understanding of dispersal and travel patterns to take more coyotes and fox. As a bonus, Kellen's also including a copy of the Foundation's Predator Trapping Primer with even more insights, tips, and tactics to cultivate a more complete coyote trapper. So I've watched this DVD, I've read the book. These are really great resources for the Coyote Trap line. I think you guys are going to really like this. So this is a very simple giveaway. You are going to send me an email, jrodwood at gmail.com, J-R-O-D-W-O-O-D at gmail.com. Tell me what you want to hear more about on the podcast. That's all I need to know. And you send me that email, tell me what you want to hear more about, and I'm going to enter you into the drawing to get this free book and DVD from Cots Bros. Um, so we'll do that uh, after this airs. Uh, I'll probably take uh, several days to get the uh, emails in from you guys, and then I'm going to send. Uh, I'm going to pick one. Probably just pick one out of a hat. Send that over to uh, to Kyle and Kellen, and they will ship that off to you free of charge. So. Absolutely awesome opportunity. Uh, if you don't win, check those out. Uh, the Flat Set Fix DVD and the Black Book of Coyote Trapping, uh, both by Kellen Cotts. And awesome resources to get you going in, in coyote trapping. And really, if you want to get prepared for coyote trapping, now is the time to start doing it. I mean, I know we have a few months before the start of the season. Here in northern Maine, we have a pretty early season. We start around the middle of October. But it's never too early, I think, to get going, get scouting, thinking about stuff, prepping traps, and everything else. So that's what I want to talk about primarily in tonight's episode. I get a few different subjects to go over, uh, but I do want to talk about getting prepared for the coyote trap line. But first, I want to thank our other sponsor of the podcast, that is Fur Harvesters Auction, where the world comes to buy wild fur. Fur Harvesters is run by trappers for trappers. Folks at the auction house understand the ups and downs of running a trap line, the amount of work involved in preparing quality pelts, and the importance of each and every pelt that comes through their doors. Located in North Bay, Ontario, Canada, Fur Harvesters has receiving depots throughout the United States and Canada, making it easy to get your fur to their auction. They hold at least two major fur auctions each year. This year they held three major auctions. Um, recently they've been held, holding an auction in March in Helsinki, Finland, uh, that has gotten fur in front of a, a wide variety of different buyers, and it's paid off with better fur prices, despite the tough market conditions that we're in. 
Learn more about Fur Harvesters at furharvesters.com or you can call them at 705-495-4688. Now in tonight's episode, I want to talk about getting prepared for the coyote or fox and coyote trap line. So for me, I haven't been trapping for fox and coyote for a number of diff- number of years. And you know, I primarily when I when I started out my second year trapping, I hit uh, the coyote line pretty hard uh, for a short liner, you know, a couple dozen uh, to three dozen traps and running, you know, we had a 24 hour check here in Maine. So running every day and uh, it it was, it was a good experience. I really enjoyed it, but the problem was I've always been stressed for time, trying to find time to actually get things done. So I've, work things out in my schedule for this coming fall and as I record this we're in we're in uh, late June early July and uh, I anticipate now I'm gonna actually have some time to do some coyote and fox trapping so I'm excited about that and what that means is geez I gotta get back to what I was doing years ago I gotta figure out everything just basically from the bottom up so I thought this was a good opportunity to kind of talk with you guys about about getting ready for a coyote trap line because you know some of you that are listening in are expert coyote trappers and you don't need to listen to any of this. Some of you have never trapped a coyote before. So uh, maybe we'll just go right from the ground up and talk about you know, the different things that I'm going to consider when I'm looking into getting ready to to trap coyotes. Like I mentioned before, Kellen's Black Book of Coyote Trapping is an excellent resource for this to to just, you know, where do we get started? And in tonight's episode, I'm just going to talk about equipment, uh, equipment and gear. I'm not going to go into scouting uh, and locations and coyote habits and everything like that. That's kind of you know, beyond the what we can cover in one episode. Uh, but but just going into gear, so I'm pulling up uh, Kellen's book and looking at the different types of traps. And that's where we're going to start with, with gear is just traps overall. That's the first thing that immediately comes to mind for me. I'm going to get back into coyote trapping. What am I going to use for traps? I'm just going to throw out a few that, that Kellen mentions. MB650, the MB550, those are both Minnesota brand, brand traps by Minnesota Trapline Products. Uh, Bridger number three, uh, Bridger number three, Dogless. Number three, Montgomery, Bridger number two, uh, Montgomery number two, the Dukes, one and three quarter, two, three, or four. Uh, there's also Victors, Sleepy Creeks, BMIs. So there's a variety of different traps that you can use. Uh, and that's all fine and good, but one of the great considerations that is, unfortunately, we all have to think about is what are you relegated to use in your state? Uh, what box has your state regulations forced you into? And in some some of you, if you're in states like Montana, you, you don't have to worry about this. You use the best trap that's out there. However, in place like Maine, we have some pretty strict rules on what we can use. So the big restriction on the rules for our coyote traps is we need to use a trap with an inside jaw spread of five and three eighths inches or less. And that is a big problem because any of the square jaw number two traps are greater than five and three eighths inches. 
So the only way to use those is if you modify them with inside lamination. And I've done that on a, a few of my number two traps and my number threes. Uh, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of constantly tinkering and modifying traps. I, I used to kind of be into that a little bit and because when I started out I, I just want I needed to get the cheapest traps available because I didn't have any money, right? So I, I found what was cheap and I figured out ways to modify it and I didn't really do much welding. I did a little bit of welding but then I'd have friends and I have someone weld this for me and weld that for me and and just kind of pick away at different parts of the trap. But for the most part, I'm really getting tired of that. And, and I'd really like to have a trap that comes out of the box that I'm not going to have to do much for modifications. So the jaw spread is a big deal. I, um, just throwing out there, probably one of the best coyote traps that, as far as I can tell from, from talking with different people, uh, the Jake traps that J.C. Connor makes. Those are an awesome looking trap. Uh, it's one that like uh, Mark Zagger, that's primarily, he uses 100% Jake traps. I've looked at them, they, they look great. I'd love to use those, I can't use them. I can't use them because they're not legal in my state, the jaw spread is too big. And the other thing to think about is with, uh, with dogless traps, you can't just inside laminate the jaws and to make those traps legal because you can't put it inside lamination because you don't have that space where you'd have the dog um, that, that you could actually laminate and fill that space. Um, that's that's not an option with the dogless. So we're, we're really constricted. You either need to modify or you need to get a trap that's going to work out of the box. For me and for you, just kind of keep thinking about you know what your options are. You might need padded jaws. You might have a similar jaw spread to me. It might be a little bit different. Uh, wherever you're at, just just all those things to consider. But I'm I'm running you through kind of what's going on in my head as far as getting ready for this this coyote trapping season. So I need a trap with a five and three eighths or less jaw spread. The other things that I need that are requirements of my state is the chain needs to be anchored to the center third of the base plate of the trap. So you can't have just kind of a J hook on the side of the base plate like most of the uh, standard Duke and Victor, Victor traps, essentially all the traps used to have. Um, most of the traps are kind of transitioning toward that center mounted base plate. Um, but you need the center mounted base plate. Uh, the chain has to be swiveled at, the chain has to have a swivel at the trap, swivel at the stake, and a mid-chain swivel between the trap and the stake. So, when you start thinking about those different things that you need to have, there's there aren't a lot of traps that you can buy out of the box that are going to be like that. Um, a couple of them that you could work with without much modification would be like the number three Victor round jaws, and and Duke has basically copied that number three Victor round jaw uh, pattern, where the the way that we measure the inside jaw spread, it goes across the dog in parallel with the dog of the trap. Uh, so perpendicular to the line between the uh, the two the two levers, perpendicular to the levers, that line running in the inside of the two jaws, uh, parallel with the the dog. Um, that that is where the measurement's taking place. And in those number three round jaws, they're kind of an oval shape. So the short distance is is that measurement that we're legally required to make. So we can use a number three Victor or Duke round jaw. 
and it meets those JOS bed requirements. Uh, then you got to, of course, make sure that those are center mounted uh, to the base plate, and you get your swivels taken care of, which which is probably going to require modification on your end, but it won't be a bunch of uh, lamination work and and welding work necessarily. So those are options. The other option uh, I have like number two Bridgers and number three Bridgers and North number two and three Northwoods that I've I've done the modifications on. I've also used the number one and three quarter and number two Montgomery round jaw, the Montgomery step-in traps. Those are a nice rugged trap and those meet the jaw spread requirements. Um, and there's a, there's a few others that'll work, but really when you get down to it, the the best trap for me that meets, the, the mainstream trap that meets the jaw spread requirements would be the MB550. And the MB550 has has really risen to the top as far as mainstream coyote traps that uh, that work pretty much out of the box, no modification, and they're they're basically legal in most most every state. So the MB550 is kind of the universal coyote trap right now. And now a lot of places people like the MB650s. They're a little different trap. They they have a different uh, way of working. Um, they're bigger jaw spread. They're not legal in my state without lamination. Um, but for for the most part, the 550s is, have become very, very popular. So the MB550s are made by Minnesota Trapline Products. They have an inside jaw spread of four and three quarter inches. So it's it's quite a ways under that five and three eighths requirement that we have. So they're, they're actually kind of a pretty small surface area of the actual trap but they're a wicked rugged trap they're really strong really well built they're all handmade here in the USA by by Minnesota and they're a nice little trap um, I know like if you follow Chris Pope at Coyote Trapping School he covered he he uses primarily MB550s and loves them and really most guys that have just like m most modern trappers that have purchased new equipment are, are going with the 550s so that's kind of my plan is I'm going to pick up some 550s. I actually almost ordered a couple dozen of them recently, but I just could not pull the trigger on the price. Um, they're not terrible, but they're at least double of what most of the other traps that I'd be looking at. So like the the number three victors, the round jaws, you know, you're talking probably 10 bucks a trap uh, if you get them used. And the, the Dukes may be a little bit less than that. The 550s are about double that, so so it's a little bit it's a little bit tough. You can get two, you can get a dozen for um, around 205 dollars, I believe. So it it's within the ballpark. But if you're worried about like losing traps, getting traps stolen, it's it's really a big hit to take when you lose a few of those 550s. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. Is maybe I just ought to get some some 550s and not worry about working through all the modifications and trying to make sure every trap is legal and just just going with something that out of the box is going to work. Now recently I just looked into these other traps and it was kind of I'd heard about these traps a little bit in the past and uh, actually what reminded me of it was recently that Craig O'Gorman article in the Trappers World magazine he talked about the KO no BS uh, extreme canine traps. 
So no BS lures makes these canine traps. And they they don't uh, wholesale them. They're not available anywhere except for no BS lures website. And they make a couple of different models. Uh, but the ones that I'm looking at is the KO Canine Extreme Junior Predator Trap. So these traps are an absolute tank. If you, you go to nobslures.com and you look through their traps, the KO Canine Extreme Junior is, and, and the K, Canine Extreme, which would not be legal for us, they are a, a coil spring dogless trap which uh, have they have an inside jaw spread of five and a quarter inches so they're about half an inch of a larger jaw spread than the MB550s. They are unbelievable as far as the thickness of the steel that's used to to make these traps. Uh, all of the the different specs on these traps they're they're pretty incredible. Um, let me pull up their site here. Can I actually, I'm just gonna th look at the junior. I just actually ordered half a dozen of these today. Um, I'm gonna gonna try them out. You order them, and they make them. They make them to your specs. Um, they don't they don't stock any of these traps. Basically, just all handmade as you order them. So obviously, you might imagine they're pretty expensive. I think I got them. Actually, probably not as bad as I would have thought. They were I think twenty four dollars a trap. The ones I I ordered. So it says the new Canine Extreme Junior trap features five and in a quarter inside jaw spread, five and eleven sixteenths outside, quarter inch mainframe, quarter inch cross frame. That's really thick steel. Two heavy duty swivels, heavy duty chain. Of course, the the chain is is centered on the base plate. The pan is three and three eighths inches by two inches. Pretty good size pan. I think Chip uh, from Expanda Pan will make a bigger pan that fits this. His dogless design. Uh, with a night latch, which is pretty awesome for superior trap firing. Just like the Junior's big brother, the jaws are bolted in, so you cannot a coyote cannot pop the jaws out of this. They're they're literally bolted in, and there's there's nuts on the outside of uh, of the jaws. The it has five sixteenths inch bolts uh, that go right through the spring, the eyes of the springs, so you can change the springs really easily, as opposed to just like the the metal rod that goes through in most traps. The trap pan, this is pretty cool. It sets a quarter inch below the surface of the jaws, so it's a really low profile pan. Um, it makes for really good paw placement, and uh, you know when the animal uh, depresses that pan, it's going to be well within the the firing catch zone of that trap and uh, the levers are heat treated for superior lockup the jaws have quarter inch side clean outs so areas to get kind of kind of push out the dirt and and dust and stuff to, that will could potentially clog up the jaws the trap has jaw, uh, brass washers on the pan so unlike the 550 this one actually you can adjust pan tension the 550, you you can adjust pan tension, but it involves like bending the dog up and down, and a little bit of uh, uh, sanding and grinding stuff down, filing work uh, involved with that. But this actually has a brass bolt. Um, the trap comes with a durable coating, so they they do. It's kind of like a powder coating. It's heat heated and cured on. 
Um, they say it's it's much la longer lasting than typical powder coating. Heard from some people that said that this will last for a couple years. So basically it's ready to go out of the box. You don't have to do any adjustments. You don't even have to dye and wax if you don't want it. You can wax it. Um, you, you really, but really just, you can go set it and go trap with it. Um, I got mine with uh, with the offsets um, and, and outside lamination. So I think offset and outside lamination are pretty good mods. And I also got the four coil on this. So um, I, I, I like this. This is a new trap from No BS Lures. I've never tried any other stuff at all. But I think um, I think this is going to be a good way to go for us in Maine, especially. Um, it, it is this in in the 550s for the most part. If you if you really want a serious coyote trap that's going to meet our specs out of the box without requiring a bunch of mods, and I know guys in Maine, guys that I trap around, and all of us rural trappers, really any state you're in, most people are tinkerers and don't mind working with that stuff. Um, for me, I've got so much going on in my life, and I'm not really that good at tinkering. I, I'm moving more and more as I as I'm more able to do so. I'm really pushing to get things out of the box that I can just grab and use, and not have to worry about messing with a trap for half an hour or an hour. So that just so that I can get it ready for the season and do that for a dozen, two dozen traps. You know, if you can buy them out of the box. They're going to last a long time. As long as you don't get them stolen, it's really, to me, it's a good investment. And I'm, I'm kind of working towards that. So so I'm going to try the 550s and the K9 Extremes this year. That's that's where I'm at with traps. And there's a lot of different options for you. If you're you know, if you're able to use larger jospers, I would encourage that. Like a, you know, old school, like a number three Northwoods or like uh, John Graham's making those Montana traps. They look very similar to Northwoods. Number three, Bridger Douglas, or you know something like that. I, I think there's a lot of good options out there. So I've got my traps picked out. Now the next step, probably if you you know along that line of thinking, is we got to have something to anchor those traps. We've talked before about the options in terms of uh, rebar versus drags versus earth anchors and there are a number of different ways you you know they're all options that are on the table except for me of course because drags are not legal where I trap um, so yeah that's a crazy uh, restriction there that we have to deal with so I've sold all my drags um, but drags are an awesome option it where you can use them where you can't we're talking you know rebar versus disposable or cable stakes earth anchors and I, I've transitioned towards er, the earth anchor and uh, there are a few different options there within the earth anchor I've used the Iowa disposable stakes for a long time they they work great I've bought them from O'Gorman's with with O'Gorman's heavy-duty driver I've I've done really well with those uh, recently I've gone to the uh, the wolf fang type stakes uh, actually John Chagnon and PCS sent me a bunch of those Osable, uh stakes that are they're very very similar to the wolf fangs uh, I almost I can't really tell them apart and uh, they got a driver that's really easy to use heavy-duty driver they're really heavy-duty rugged that I mean to me there's no difference between those and rebar so what I'm gonna be looking at doing is getting you the ensemble or the wolf fangs uh, just just the stake ends 
and and I'm going to be I've got that bench swagger that I've talked about before and I'm going to be buying cable and the sleeves uh, and basically just making my own um, cables off of those so I'll probably make some that are like I may make some 12 inchers, I'll make some 16, 18 inchers, and maybe even some like 24 inchers, but probably 18 inches is going to be the the average length of cable that I'm going to need. I've seen a lot of guys transition towards actually using chain uh, for either the whole cable or for a lot of, a lot of people, just part of the cable, um, they're the disposable stake cable they're actually using chain and what it does is, is if you like the last six inches that are you know closest closest to the trap what that does is it allows you don't have that stiff cable that's kind of trying to stick up out of the ground so if you got 18 inches of cable and you get that uh, stake in you know you drive that in like 14 inches you you can have four inches of stiff cable that's right out of the ground it's kind of gets in the way and you're trying to bed the trap and that it's underneath the trap a lot of times and you you push it underneath the trap and then it's going to kind of try to spring the trap up a little bit so uh, the chain those last four six inches I think is a really good option there uh, to, to eliminate that problem so that's uh, staking again lots of options there with drags there are a lot of people that still use the old school rebar and that's great uh, I just don't like the idea of having to pack that in, and and uh, with rebar, I've never been confident enough to go a single stake. I've I've always cross pegged them with those butterfly uh, ends where you put one stake one direction, the other stake the opposite direction. That's a heck of a lot of work pounding them in and pulling them out. So um, I've I've got some tendonitis going on in one of my elbows, and not really a fan of doing doing a lot more pounding when I don't have to. So, so that's uh, that's the stakes. So let's move on. What else we got? We got what are you gonna do on your trap as far as pan cover? And there's a few different options here. Um, some people don't use pan covers at all. Actually, uh, Kellen, I I believe in his book where, where I read, he's using a polyfill right under the pan. I think that's an awesome option, and and I actually may do that. The polyfill is basically like that that polyester filling that you put in you can buy it at the store it's like stuff that's inside of the cheap pillows you know um, you just stick some of that underneath the pan it keeps dirt from getting under the pan then you can just kind of sift dirt over the top of your set over your trap and everything's gonna function as it should now the reason in my opinion for a pan cover if you have we, nowadays we have polyfill you really don't need a pan cover for keeping dirt from getting underneath the pan because you just use the polyfill and you're good. So the advantage to the pan cover, in my opinion, just my opinion, is to increase the surface area of that that catch, that potential catch area, where that animal is going to step within the jaws of your trap. And, and as far as I'm concerned, if that animal's toes or paw goes in between the jaws of your trap, you want that trap to go off and there's been a lot of controversy around this whole idea because of you know uh, expand pans and the O'Gorman's big pans uh, some people say they get toe catches and they don't like them other people swear by them um, I, I guess I'm I'm leaning towards the camp of I'd rather have a big pan uh, than than to get pattern misses where the animals 
steps inside the jaws of your trap and doesn't fire the trap. So to get that big pan effect, you either do what we've done for years and years and years is those big uh, pan covers. Uh, you can use fiberglass. A lot of people like steel screen, wire screen pan covers, which I've used primarily. And you cut those out to the size you need. You stick those, um, stick that, it goes kind of over the pan and under the jaws. And it, it keeps the dirt from getting under your pan and it also increases your catch area to essentially anything within the jaws of the trap. The other option, which is a much more expensive option, but a much more long-term option, and, and I'm kind of leaning towards it if I can pull the trigger on it, is going with Chip Davis's Expanda Pans. Uh, I actually just got a dozen of those for TS-85 traps, and I'm excited to, to get those on some of my TS-85s and, and get those working. Uh, but, the, you know, basically for most, depends on the trap, uh, for the 550 you got to weld it on, for these no BS, I believe you can just bolt the pan on, and uh, it covers essentially everything inside the jaws that can can have a pan, and it is going to have the pan, the the expanded pan. Uh, so so those are your options for pan covers. Now, what are you going to do in terms of covering that trap? What are you going to cover it with? So you can just cover it if you you know you're out trapping, you you can cover it the trap with the dirt that you dig up when you dig your trap bed that's great if you never get rain and it never freezes in northern Maine where I trap and in most places where you probably trap it's always going to rain and it's always going to freeze during trapping season in the south it won't freeze but it'll rain so you're always going to have problems so what do you do uh, traditionally there was a lot of different things people did uh, buckwheat hulls uh, uh, People use peat moss. That was very popular. Uh, people would spray glycerin or glycol. Glycol was very popular um, to keep things from freezing. Uh, there's a bunch of different options, but really the thing that's emerged in modern day that's been kind of a huge, huge, huge thing is wax dirt. Wax dirt is essentially regular old dirt that you would use to cover your traps, but it's been had wax melted and mixed into the dirt. And the wax coating on that dirt is what keeps the dirt from soaking up water and, and freezing. And freezing or kind of clumping together, like, you know, when water, when dirt gets wet and dries off. So wax dirt is huge. It's been very popular because it's been extremely effective. There are a number of different ways to make wax dirt, but they all have one thing in common. Either... Okay, we're going to keep talking about wax dirt, but I got a couple of guests that just barged into the fur shed uh, and want to get on the podcast. What do you think, son? What do you want to talk about? Um, I don't know. You want to be on the podcast? It's got to be a trapping topic. Actually, our new guest should do it. Okay, let's talk to our new guest. Hey, little guy, how you doing? Good. <laughs> and do you want to talk trapping? Yes. <laughs> Did Daddy tell you a trapping story last night? Yes. What was the trapping story? Uh, Wolverine. We talked about a Wolverine? Uh, yeah, what did the Wolverine do? He <laughs> did. I bet he did. All right. Anything else you want to say? Did you have a, good, you have a fun time at the fair? Yeah, I did. Yeah. 
Yeah, alright. There are probably no trappers at the fair, huh? No. And it was flooded. Oh, it was yeah. from all the windows, like, and the sidewalk probably was, like, flooded up to here. Okay. Alright, well, we, listen, we have to talk trapping. So, you guys, it's time probably for you to go to bed. So, we're going to say goodnight, and I'm going to keep doing the podcast. Alright, so wax dirt. It's either going to be really labor-intensive or really expensive. So, if you want to have somebody else make wax dirt for you, it's going to cost a lot of money. Uh, my intention is to make my own wax dirt, and here's how I'm going to do it. And it's based on uh, Kellen's recommendations from the Black Book of Coyote Trapping. Basically, you, I'm going to wait till probably late July or sometime in August. And it's going to be a period of time when we haven't had rain for at least a week. And here in Maine, we get quite a bit of rain. Uh, but the, the month of August, usually you have some pretty good windows where it's sunny and it's hot. So I'm, I'm going to go and get my dirt when it's been dry. And our some of our best dirt is usually stuff we find we we call it ant hill dirt. So if you find an ant hill or big ant hill, especially you kind of hit the jackpot where you get dirt that is is from the area, but the ants have already kind of sorted out all the small particles for you and they've piled them up into a nice big mound. And you find a, a few big ant hills, you can you can get a lot of them. Uh, if you can't get ant hill dirt or you want something different, you want something maybe a little more sandy, sand works awesome for wax dirt. Uh, you can uh, you can go to a certain spot. I, I actually have a lot of sand on, on my farm here and we can so we can find that and you basically just just dig up a bunch of dirt as dry as you can get it. Then I'm going to spread out a tarp on the driveway in an open area and uh, I actually have a nice black tarps. I'm going to spread that out in a large surface area and get the dirt spread out onto all that surface of the tarp as thinly of a covering of dirt as I can get so it can all get exposed to that hot sun. And then the wax. So nowadays you can buy wax. A lot of people sell it in big bags that's already been all shaved down into really small particles. It's almost like really finely ground coconut kind of uh, consistency and uh, you can get that at conventions you can probably order that just about anywhere and you get that really finely ground wax and you just take a really hot sunny day you know 80 90 degrees uh, full sun and sprinkle that all over the top of this dirt that's spread out on on a tarp on the ground and the wax will kind of slowly, you know, you can do this under over a fire. You can do this like some people take a cement mixer and they'll kind of have that thing going and they'll have a propane heater underneath it that's warming things up and they'll toss dirt and wax in. That's great and that works awesome, but this is like the slow, easy way to do it. And the non-equipment way, you just spread that out, let that soak in the sun and the, the sun will melt that wax into the dirt. And then I'm just going to take like a rake and, and kind of mix that around. Maybe maybe mix it a little bit, sprinkle more wax, mix it a little more, sprinkle more wax until it gets to where I think it's going to work well. So that's wax dirt. And then, then you got to find a way to store that where it's going to be, it's going to stay relatively dry and it's going to be scent free, as scent free as you can reasonably get. I mean, you don't have to go crazy about it. But uh, So I'm going to find a spot there probably probably a little empty space in a woodshed, uh, possibly root cellar, but I don't really want to get 
uh, a lot of moisture and I'm gonna store that in probably a bunch of like five gallon pails with covers and have that ready to go. I, my trapping mentor also used to use burlap sacks and he'd just kinda sew the tops of them shut and he'd have a bunch of those stacked uh, under cover and that, that worked pretty well. Uh, but depending on how many traps you're gonna run uh, you really want to get you know, plenty of wax dirt stockpiled if you're gonna run quite a few traps uh, because uh, it's w when you get it and you're using another trap line it's kinda like gold you know you run out of it and you you're really gonna know the next thing that comes to mind for me is digging tools so you're gonna have to dig out your trap bed and you're gonna have to dig out if you're doing dirt hole sets which you know we, we all should have a combination of dirt hole sets flat sets and blind sets on on our trap lines and if you're gonna you're gonna make dirt hole sets you're gonna have to have a way to dig out dirt holes so to dig out your your digging your uh, trap bed you know basically some sort of sod buster uh, all these trap line trapping hammers uh, they're all pretty much the same um, but different levels of quality I guess you could say but they're all kind of like a hammer on one end and with a kind of a sort of a sod buster arm on on the other end that's just kind of like a a thing that sticks out on the back side of the hammer kind of like a like a claw uh, but it's a a piece that you're going to use to to shove into the ground and break up the sod and, and pull clumps of sod out and 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 dig a hole so so that sod buster that trap line hammer whatever you want to call it is a critical tool for for coyote fox trapping mine is an really old school one that was welded a friend of mine we were getting started trapping he was doing some welding and he was in we were both in high school and he was in uh, some sort of a shop there that a tech tech program there out of, out of high school and so he would go in and do a bunch of projects and this was great because he got to do welding projects where he he built a couple of these for us to, to use in the trap line and that's the one I've been using for the last 15 years. So um, it's heavier than heck, but it's it's all steel. It's all heavy-duty steel, and the thing is not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna be able to break it. And, and the the actual claw, the 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 digging part of it is made out of spring steel off a, a truck leaf spring. So that ain't going nowhere. You can buy the lifetime hammer. I think they call it. O'Gorman sells one. A bunch of people sell them, and they're. A lot of them are like fiberglass handle with uh, uh, steel heads on them, and those are probably a lot more ergonomic. And I'll probably get one eventually. They're, I think they're like 40, 50 bucks, maybe a little bit more. Uh, but you're gonna have to have that. Uh, the other thing is for digging your holes. I, I've used that to dig dig holes. Uh, it doesn't dig very deep. Sometimes I actually use my my uh, stake driver to uh, to dig a deeper hole. But last year I picked up this. A whole tool that's uh, Jim Geffert from Night Owl Lures in New York. He was doing a demo and he was using this thing, and I bought one from him after his demo over at Neil Olson's Trappers Weekend, and it's just kind of like a a <clears throat> a piece of pipe cut in half um, attached to a kind of a driver with a handle, and it's it's for digging out a dirt hole. The, the other way to do this is, and it, what it does is it makes a really deep dirt hole. And a deep dirt, dirt hole is is really nice when you're looking for an animal to really work a set for a long period of time. If you just have like a three inch deep hole and they go into the set and they grab, they paw and pull out, immediately pull out what's in the hole 
and they investigate it. Oh, yeah, okay, that's what that is, and they leave. Well, they may not have stepped on your trap pan um, in that short time period. If your hole is like 8, 10 inches deep, 12 inches deep, and they're sniffing at it, they can smell something, but they can't get to it, they're going to work and work and work and step and step and step uh, in that trap pattern, and eventually there's a better chance they're going to step on your pan and get caught. So the deep hole is critical. Uh, that tool that I just mentioned works really well for it. Uh, a trowel, a narrow trowel, works really well. Some people actually shave off the sides of the trowel, a standard trowel, to make it real narrow. And the big thing that's been popular lately that a lot of people are using are these auger bits that you can attach to a cordless drill. And if you've got a couple, two, three batteries for cordless drill and you're not running too many sets, uh, this can be really easy, really effective. And you just hook onto this auger bit. I know uh, Chagnon at PCS has started to make these that are powder coated, uh, really nice and convenient. I think there's a two inch one and maybe a three inch one. Um, I'll have to look at that. And uh, anyway, just hook that on your cordless drill. You make your, your hole, almost no effort involved whatsoever. Dig out your trap bed, make your set. So uh, that's, that's digging the hole and that's, a, that's a, a good thing to consider. Your sifter, the sifter can be very simple. I've had, uh, actually looking at one right now that a guy gave me, uh, basically just a few pieces of wood put together in a box shape with a standard screen, a dirt screen, uh, kind of nailed into the bottom of it. And that's as simple as your sifter can be. That's not going to last very long if you're doing very many sets. The wood can pick up scent and spread scent, maybe maybe in places where you don't want to. Uh, metal sifters are the best. That standard screen material is uh, not as good as uh, sort of the diamond welded stuff that is sold in the, the used in the high-end sifters. Um, so that's a case where you know a cheap and sifter that you make yourself can probably get you by pretty easily for for a little bit uh, but buy a good sifter uh, if you're looking for one uh, to use for the long term trap bag in last episode I talked to you about Chris Pope's coyote trapping school short liner trapping bag and I'm gonna be testing that out this year it's a nice looking bag so far I'm, I'm really liking the looks of it and the shape of it and the design uh, but we're gonna see how that uh, pans out on the trap line, uh, but you can use a bag. You can use a five-gallon pail. Uh, you can, if you have like eight arms, you could just grab everything you need and take it to your set. So there's a few different options there, uh, but you got to have something to carry your gear around. And ideally, you want to keep your uh, your traps and and uh, stakes and driver and everything else and your tools separate from your lure and bait, uh, if at all possible. So there's bags, there's buckets, there's there's all those things to consider. Uh, what else am I looking at? Uh, I'm looking at bait, lure, and urine. Now those are all things that uh, you need to get figured out ahead of time, what you're going to use, how you're going to use it. Uh, bait is something that I typically, I, I have a, a few uh, different brands of bait that I've I picked up just because they're kind of on sale or special somewhere. You know, I typically do not buy 8 ounces or 16 ounces of bait because I, I feel like, I don't know, I, I'm in the camp that I like to use larger baits. 
and typically for most of the trapping I do up here we have a very cold climate so it, it seems as though larger baits go longer ways uh, they have more more calling power uh, more odor uh, to the larger bait uh, when you get into the cold weather that we have so I, I tend to gravitate toward larger quantities of bait and thus it makes it a little less cost effective to try to actually buy all my bait so there's a few that I've got here that I'll use but for the most part I'm gonna be making my own bait and primarily that's gonna be ground beaver meat that I preserve uh, and sometimes I'll mix in a few different things with it I'll make up sort of a predator bait actually uh, Kellen Cotts's lure making book I there's a really simple formula there it, um, in the encyclopedia encyclopedia of lure and bait making he has a few ingredients uh, for a basic predator bait that's it's really simple but he lays out the actual quantities that work uh, work well for him and so I've just kind of followed that model and done that and, and preserved it in sodium benzoate and uh, bagged up a bunch of that sealed it in five gallon pails and it's ready to go for the season um, you can also go like our beaver trapping season opens up pretty early here, so you can go in and trap some beavers uh, right before you're going to go out coyote or fox trapping potentially, and be able to potentially you could secure some of your bait with beavers and muskrats. Um, but but bait's a pretty big deal, and then lure. You know, um, I picked up a bunch of different lure. You're going to have a combination of your call lure, your gland lure, your food lure, uh, some sort of curiosity lure. Uh, try different things. Try a lure manufacturer that is uh, has a good reputation uh, for catching a lot of a lot of fur and uh, a lot of good record with a lot of customers. Uh, pretty much, if you know you you have a variety of lures, you're gonna do well. I don't think lure uh, by any stretch of the imagination is gonna determine your success or failure on the trap line. Urine is pretty popular and it's used oftentimes to, for, I don't know if you call it a cover scent or just kind of something to allay fear and suspicion among animals that are approaching your set. If they smell the scent of urine, uh, that gives them some assurance that another animal's been there and, and peed around the set and, and it kind of adds, I guess, what I would call a bit of a comfort level there at the set. So uh, urine is pretty important. A lot of people like to use it, and you can't really overuse it. Uh, it's it's a it's a good thing to have. Uh, quality urine. It, there's a lot of different differences in quality of urine, so you want to make sure you get it from a good source. And uh, apparently, I, I believe the urine quality is determined a lot by what the actual what the animal eats, what its diet consists of. Uh, because uh, the diet determines how strong the urine is and different compounds and chemicals that are in the urine. So find someone that, that produces good urine and has a good reputation of, of producing and distributing urine, and you'll be good to go. Finally, getting ready for trapping, uh, a couple of things to consider. you got to have a good trap line vehicle. I'm actually working on that, getting ready, and I'm hoping by trapping season I will have a dependable four-wheel drive pickup truck that I can get out there in the woods because you've got to have that in most places and then just getting out scouting and uh, developing the knowledge understanding your line uh, maybe do some mock sets which I plan to do figure out where the critters are find some sign 
uh, get out there, learn the area, and get your line set up a little bit ahead of time. You don't want to be getting out there during trapping season, uh, the first day of the season, and try to figure out how you're going to run your line. Uh, that's that's really not the way to go. So, in a nutshell, that is that's kind of my approach towards getting back to coyote trapping uh, after having been out of it for a few years. Those are the things that I'm thinking of. Uh, what do you think? Uh, let me know, jrodwood at gmail.com, j-r-o-d-w-o-o-d at gmail.com. What am I missing? What would you also consider? What do you think I need to, to also have on my line uh, to get ready for this coyote fox season? What should I be thinking of? And you want to get in on that giveaway. Uh, Cots Bros, Kellen Cots, the Black Book of Coyote Trapping, and the Flat Set Fix DVD free guys this is an awesome opportunity and uh, check them out um, go to cotsbros.com send me an email uh, I will enter you into that drawing and uh, hopefully one of you be very happy and have a little bit of uh, added information to get you going on trapping this fall that is going to do it for tonight's episode thanks so much for tuning in be sure to get in touch with me on, on that giveaway and uh, also check out my book, Fur Profit, A Trapper's Guide to the Modern Fur Market, if you haven't already. It's a great resource for guys getting started trying to figure out more about the fur market and different options to uh, think about when you're selling your fur. Uh, you can find Fur Profit at trappingtoday.com. You can find it really easily at amazon.com. You can order that. It's uh, eligible for Prime. You can get it probably to your place in like two days for like 12 bucks. You can get it at F&T for Harvester Trading Post. You get it at Cots Bros, uh, PCS Outdoors, and a number of different trapping supply dealers. So thanks again for tuning in, guys. Keep on talking trapping. Keep on thinking trapping. Get ready for trapping season, and we will catch you on the next episode.